What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Weekends are tough, man. Weekends are tough. During the week, I can... I can tell my family that I need to watch these basketball games because it's for work. On the weekend, I can't get away with that crap. Oh, they will call my bluff. So, we slide back into our five days of the work week. Like so. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers, and this is, of course, a hoop ball presentation you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or head to HoopBall at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter or Hoop-Ball.com is the website. Yes, I know we've been told a hundred times that the hyphen is annoying. We agree. But there's a squatter on HoopBall. So maybe you guys can torture him until he gives up the domain name. Hoop-Ball.com, again, the website. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Monday morning. We're just getting rolling here on a new work week. Teams were eliminated over the weekend, so we will cover all of that. But, and and I don't we don't have to do it in this order necessarily. It's only a two-game night, and games don't start until something like 3, 3.30, I think, in the afternoon here on the Pacific Coast. Now we're, we're into those last two time slots. And I think that's the way it's going to be the rest of the way, basically, or at least through this second round, and then it'll go to one game a day, and then it'll go to one game every other day. And I'll admit I'm going to miss the days of four games on any, on any given day, even though it was at times very difficult to get all of my thoughts together in time to put out a podcast in time for the 10 a.m. game. It was pretty damn nice having basketball on literally the entire workday minus about 70 or 80 minutes at the front end, which is when I'm trying to get my toddler set up here in the morning and then get the podcast done. So now there's not a massive rush, but you know what? We're doing it this way, so we might as well just sort of keep going this direction. And that is, we'll break down the games coming up tonight, uh, specifically from a betting standpoint, since at this point, fantasy is is over. You could be playing a playoff league, but... Actually, although someone did tweet a, uh, a note that their playoff league had pickups and drops, I don't think you should have that in a playoff league. Playoff league, and if you do, that's fine. It's just sort of weird for strategy because uh, you know, presumably, you're just going to drop a guy when their team gets eliminated. But it really it extends the weirdness of the league, and then everybody is just scraping by with whatever you know, 14th bench guy that on a finals team that might see two minutes of playing time. That's that's a little silly. I think uh, the, the set it and forget it, they call it best ball during the regular season. Best ball playoff leagues are just so much simpler, so much more straightforward that um, 
you know, you draft your guys, you make your calls based on how deep you think they're going to go in the playoffs, and then then it's done. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. All that to say fantasy is effectively done. So let's just start talking about uh, what's coming up tonight. Pair of games, Miami-Milwaukee, brand new series, our second look at a brand new series because we will profile the weekend's games after we go through some of the stuff happening tonight. Milwaukee favored by five and a half points. I think, and this is a weird thing to say, but it does feel to me a bit like the number one seed here is underrated. I said that in the Western Conference, and everybody thought I was freaking nuts. I mean, seriously, I I basically, even by the gambling community, they thought I was crazy, and I was like, look, uh, you guys can tell me all you want that the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers. Um... I don't, I don't think they're going to win all four. All the Lakers had to do was figure out how to shoot a little bit, and they did. In a, and they shot a lot, as it turned out. Anyway, we'll talk about that series in a minute. But it's a strange phenomenon, especially with the Lakers. I mean, that's the ultimate public team in the NBA. That's the team that always gets public action. And, you know, ESPN had kind of turned these other teams into darlings. And I think that's happening to a smaller degree here with the Miami Heat. There is a measure of love for Miami, which is warranted. And then there's a measure of love for Miami, which is over what's warranted. And I think we've cleared that threshold now where the Heat, and they, they beat the Pacers pretty handily. It was a sweep. Indiana was in every ballgame in Miami. We talked about this last week. When your shot selection is just a tiny bit better on every possession or every 10 possessions, you're you're shooting 1% better than your opponent. Ultimately, you're going to win that game at the end of the ballgame. Almost every time. Not every time. Sometimes, you know, you can shoot the lower mark and still win because of three-pointers or free throws or stuff like that. But basically, forget percentage for a minute. If your shots are just a hair easier, your three-pointers are a little more open, your layups are a little bit less contested, you, you know, whatever metric you want to use to describe it, it's more qualitative than quantitative at this point, you're going to probably win the game by the end. And that's what the Heat were doing such a nice job of. They got, meanwhile, meanwhile, before we go to the next phase of this discussion, meanwhile, Milwaukee came in and got throttled by Orlando in game one and then subsequently came back and beat them uh, roundly in four games in a row. And I think it was a uh, friend of the show, Greg Ehrenberg, who tweeted something, and it might have been someone else I, I, a couple days ago now. Well, regardless if I'm screwing up who sent the tweet out, uh, point was Milwaukee is getting basically uh, clobbered for only beating Orlando by whatever it was, like 14 points every single game. It's not easy to win playoff games by double digits every time. These teams are really, really fighting. And so there's this weird, there's this part of me that looks at this series, and it might, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I feel like a lot of people are going to see that five and a half number and think with the way the Heat played in round one and that they're somehow, they're, they're like a weird Vegas darling. Their odds to win the championship are not as insane as a lot of the other teams in the bubble. Uh... And I love Jimmy Butler as a, as a leader on the floor, and they are a great three-point shooting team, so they'll space the floor on you. But Milwaukee's a tiny bit better than Indiana without Demonis Sabonis. And there's this narrative that Bam Adebayo can stop Giannis, and I'm sure they'll drop back and, and pack the paint. Um, but this is, you know, this is another series Milwaukee's going to win. Question is, how does this first game go? 
game one of a series is almost always a little bit of a feel-out game, which tends to have a little bit more offense before teams have a, a strict game plan on how they're going to handle every scenario. But there were a lot of spots where, you know, the Heat, uh, the Heat defense was pretty good against the Pacers, but there's just there's a, a big difference there. Think about what Indiana had. Milwaukee has all of that and then some. Slight lean to the Bucks, actually, to cover this one. I know it's insane because it's a lot of points to lay against a good team, but I do think there's a firepower edge. Miami never really had a firepower edge against Indiana. They just were better at a, a, by a little bit at pretty much every turn. Total of 224.5. If any game in this series is going to go over, it would be the first one, but I'm probably leaving that side alone. I'm probably leaving the whole thing alone. And then game two, Houston and OKC. Rockets have a chance to close out the Thunder we saw what happened in that last ball game. Friend of the program and fellow hoopball host David Williams commented on Twitter that I referred to Russell Westbrook as serviceable before their game on Saturday. Um, and, you know, I was a little bit tongue-in-cheek in the way I presented it on the Friday podcast, which is, look, he fills a gap that that team desperately needed, which is having someone to run an offense when James Harden is off the floor. Uh, I don't know that I expected the game to go quite like this. OKC shot 31.5% for the ballgame. Rockets were only at 43%, but that was more than enough for a massive blowout because OKC just couldn't hit anything. They're still, by the way, letting them fight. You know, they're letting them play in this ballgame. But Houston got a big one from Rob Covington. Eric Gordon actually played better because he stopped only chucking three-pointers. I swear, I know he's hit a lot of threes in his life, but I, I promise I've never seen a single one go in. Uh, P.J. Tucker and uh, Dennis Schroeder got ejected, which eh, probably didn't play a, a role in the final deal, but Schroeder has been the one guy. Uh, and Chris Paul, I should say. Schroeder and Chris Paul have been the guys that have been able to get what they want on that OKC side. But this is what that game uh, kind of epitomized what we've been talking about throughout the series, which is if Houston can keep the Thunder in front of them, then the Thunder have no opportunity to exploit their advantage. Their advantage over Houston, and it's pretty much every team's over advantage over the Rockets, is that uh, the Rockets are small. They have no rim protection. They have pretty good post-defense because all their guys are little bricks that can run around and shoot basketballs. They're, they're, they're like, look at P.J. Tucker is the mold for that team who's, who's four, five, six inches undersized for the position he's playing, but he's the right weight for it. Dude is stout, man. Eric Gordon is stout. So is Harden. Rob Covington is less stout, but also his defense is amazing. So you sort of you balance that out. They're the stout small ball team. So then if you're a team like OKC, where if you get a ball to a big man anywhere near the bucket, there's no guarantee it's going in. Steven Adams needs uncontested runs to the rim. There are a lot of teams out there that have guys that can punish Houston on the interior. And Adams can do it a little bit on the offensive glass. But from an actual, from a schematic standpoint, when Steven Adams has a tiny dude on him, and think about it from this perspective, Steven Adams is being guarded by P.J. Tucker. He's not going to back that dude down. What if there was a switch, since Houston does generally switch everything? What if the ball handler on your team was being guarded by, I don't care, Eric Gordon or uh, Russell Westbrook or even James Harden, and you ran a Steven Adams screen, and they switch it. 
And now Adam suddenly has Eric Gordon on him, who's got almost like a, I mean, we're talking about like a 9, 10-inch height advantage. He still can't do anything with it. I don't see how Oklahoma City, and then, you know, from the other side, if you're the guard, you're still looking at a six foot six wing, no matter what you do, no matter how many switches you induce, it doesn't help you. The only way it helps you is if you can exploit Houston for being small. You need an offensive-minded big man to have any success in this mold. I'm looking, of course, at the next round matchup. The Lakers do have one of those in Anthony Davis who can, if he tries to back these dudes down, that's a bad idea, but you know, he can get to about 15, 16 feet and then with a 9-inch height advantage just shoot right over people. Basically unguarded mid-rangers every time if they want it. OKC can't do that. They have to find a way to get past the Houston defense on an initial run. It's why Schroeder has been the most effective player on the team and Chris Paul who will lump in there as well, who's also had a very good series. Paul can get to his spots because of his weird little mid-range game, and Schroeder can get to his spots because he's quicker than the guys he's going up against. But then we saw it in this game. They didn't really get past the defense, and they got really ugly looks. Now, admittedly, this was about as bad as it could go. They couldn't make any of their jumpers, and poor Lugens Dort took 16 shots and just heaving bricks for the entire ball game. I do think OKC is going to be better in the next one. This, this last ballgame was a prime example of what we were afraid of and why we were on the Houston side to win this series, even after uh, the, the Thunder won those two games in a row. Houston favored by five, total of 226.5. Looking back at that game, there's simply no way that Oklahoma City plays as poorly as they did in the last one. So uh, this is one where I think I'd probably take the Thunder to keep it tighter. Uh, I think Houston wins this game in a close one. And I think because it's going to be close, you're not going to see a ton of fouls at the very end of the ballgame. And so it probably stays under the total again, but a uh, stronger lean to the side than the total in this ballgame. Everything that we quote here on this podcast, of course, is courtesy of our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Our friends at mybookie have helped us out uh, by making these games damn fun. I swear I can I can watch any of these ball games because of having a couple of bucks on a side or a total or an in-game bet. Uh, in-gaming is always fun with Houston, Oklahoma City because you know about the runs these teams are going to go on. MyBookie.ag. Make sure when you sign up, by the way, $45 the minimum deposit over there, which is pretty easy number to hit. $45 minimum deposit. Use the promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up. And they will match your deposit with free play. Oh, yeah. Get 45 bucks. If you deposit 45, get 100. If you deposit 100, you get how it works. They will 100% deposit match you on your initial deposit when you open up your account. Again, make sure to use the promo code HOOPBALL. It's on the third page of the sign-up screen. You can even, if you click the links that we tweet out from our various HoopBall and HoopBall podcaster accounts, uh, that'll, that won't actually fill in the promo code. It will fill in a different field that says that you heard about my bookie through Fantasy NBA Today or through, you know, a Hoopball podcast, but you still have to type in H O O P B A L L in the promo field to unlock that other deposit bonus. So definitely do that sooner than later. We're going to run out of NBA games to bet, but don't worry, our guys over at Hoopball Gaming, that's our Twitter handle, they do baseball, they do soccer, they do hockey, they do football, they got it all on lock. So you can bet with those guys year round, even if yours truly. Dan, me, only talks about NBA wagering on this show. That's as far as I go. This is technically a fantasy show, but again, 
needs to be fantasy to talk about fantasy. What happened over the weekend? Well, let's do a quick recap of what's been going down. And normally we go in reverse chronological order, but I, I, yeah, I actually don't think that makes sense right now since it doesn't really matter what the most recent game is for certain teams. It only matters if somebody got eliminated. And so we'll go through and, you know, we'll, we'll pick it apart that way, I suppose. And I'll just grab it series and start talking about them. Clippers knocked off the Mavericks and finished off the Mavericks in the process. Kawhi Leonard was stellar. He averaged 30 points for the series. 30 points, 14 boards, 7 assists, 5 steals in their series-clinching win over the Mavs. Ivica Zubats was very good again. He played 33 minutes, and he has supplanted Montrez Harrell as the Clippers' center at least for that series. Clippers now awaiting the winner of uh, OKC, or excuse me, of uh, Utah and Denver. That's the... They got a not uh, to me on. I, I really I think Dallas is probably the tougher test between those teams. But um, yeah, you're probably going to see a lot of Zubats against Jokic, right? Montrez isn't going to be able to handle that load. So uh, Zubats ended up turning out to be a pretty good play here during the resumption period. Uh, Paul George was not good. Took him 19 shots to get to 15 points, but he did get nine boards and seven assists, so he made up for a little bit in that regard. And for the Clippers. They uh, they threw everything they had at Luka Doncic, couldn't really slow him down, but luckily the Mavericks didn't have other guys that were ready to step up. Dorian Finney-Smith had 16, but no KP was a really big deal. And Porzingis, I guess with unicorns, you have to assume that because they exist so rarely, their bodies don't really know how to support them, and he continues to be hurt. It's a real pisser, uh, but I don't know that that dude is ever going to have a truly healthy season. They're going to have to work really hard to keep him ready for playoff runs going forward. So the Mavs season comes to an end, but a lot of good things for Dallas, and we will do some sort of off-season assessment of them, who's on the books, who's coming off the books, and what that all means. But that will not be on today's podcast. The Clippers now lie in wait, because uh, they'll have a few days off here. The the, uh, Nuggets and Jazz don't play again until tomorrow, and so presumably that means their next round couldn't start any earlier than Thursday. The Clippers have a few days off here to sit and wait. And while we're at it, we can talk about that series. Denver beat Utah 119-107. They continue to ignore defense, uh, but this game, no, that game actually did go over the total. Uh, total was 219. It went over to 226 because the two teams shot 55 and 45% respectively. Donovan Mitchell had 44. He was one-upped by Jamal Murray in what has become at times a little bit of a one-on-one series. Murray was amazing, had 50 points and nine three-pointers. As he goes, so go the Nuggets. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Jamal Murray, when he has big games, they usually win. I guess the only one was, uh, there was one in there that Donovan Mitchell just out-big-gamed him. Donovan had a 44. They each had nine three-pointers, actually, in this one. And uh, just an impressive performance from two guys. Conley had 21, 5, and 6, making a case to be a useful fantasy player again going into next year. And for the Nuggets... I just keep sort of side-eyeing Jeremy Grant, who has an option, and I got to think they're picking it up. Almost no way they're going to do something with Paul Millsap, and you know, from the looks of things, they'll just slot Grant in at small forward or power forward, and he'll fit just fine. I'd love to see him grab a rebound, though. The threes, the good field goal percent, the okay free throw percent, the blocks, those are all nice, but where are my five or six rebounds, Jeremy? Anyway, you guys know that he's he's a dude that we're quietly watching for next year. Michael Porter Jr., has cooled off substantially here as the playoffs has gotten kind of rolling a little bit. You knew he wasn't going to shoot like 60% for an entire year. He's still a gifted offensive player. 
but there are some limitations to his fantasy game and certainly some limitations on the defensive side, stuff that wouldn't really be a big deal during the regular season, but it's limiting what he can do here during the playoffs a little bit. Uh, 28 minutes, though, is probably a good target for him for next year, so keep an eye on his output in roughly that number of minutes and probably a little bit higher on the usage front during a regular season than a postseason, uh, and that's your assessment here. At, and by the way, my assessment is he's going to get overdrafted. Pretty sure of it. I don't think anybody's going to remember this. these clunkers against the Jazz. People are going to remember him popping off and being a first-rounder during those eight uh, seeding games. What did he play in? Seven of them? Doesn't matter. So that game's going to a Game 7, that series, I should say. That's pretty sweet. I think uh, most of us... I, I don't know, everybody, most, most folks thought that one was going to be a relatively long series. Um, I think I put a tweet out that was like, I don't really have a great feel for how this series is going to go. And I feel really good about that note because looking back, it's like, well, Denver won a couple or uh, Denver won one. Utah rattled off a bunch. Denver's come roaring back. It's been a weird series. And this is the magic of every seven straight games on a neutral site. Fun one, though. Fun one. Not much in the way of defense, but a fun one. And then finally, a new series opened up yesterday, and Boston whomped Toronto. This was, uh, a, to me, this was a huge surprise. Not that I thought Toronto was going to beat up on Boston. I just, I thought all the games in this series were going to be tight. But Boston played great defense. Toronto shot 37%. Freddie Van Vliet went 2 for 16 in this game. And the question is, and I saw... A lot of basketball experts talking about how Boston solved Fred Van Fleet. Um, so here's the thing. Not that I'm going to give Van Fleet more credit than he deserves. See, I mean, he's been really, really good during both the regular season and the playoffs. But I don't know. I don't know that Boston did something remarkable against him. Guys also do have poor shooting nights from time to time. One of the big differences, of course, for this series is that Toronto's just not going to get all the wide-open looks that they got against Brooklyn. So it's going to be harder to get into a rhythm where you need a few of those ones early to go down, and then the rest of them start to follow. It didn't really. You know, the Serge Ibaka played relatively well. I mean, Freddie Van Fleet still had six steals in this game, though the shooting woes were a, a pretty big deal. I think this series now sets up as a great... I know we've talked about... I think it was even last week or the week before we talked about the zigzag theory in playoffs where you sort of fade what you saw happen in the previous game. To me, this was about as poorly as Toronto can play in a playoff game. This is about as bad as it can go. So we saw the worst of it. And now we come back in the next one and say, okay, well, what, what's going to improve? Um, I mean... <sighs> Guys are going to get looks on the Toronto side. They just are. Boston's a good basketball team, but they're not superheroes. Kemba Walker played great. Marcus Smart played great. Our guy Daniel Tice double-doubled with three defensive stats. Jason Tatum was solid, and he shot 50%. Jalen Brown was really the only Celtic who didn't have a great ball game. This was... I mean, their bench wasn't very good, but I'm talking about the main guys. This was a game where Boston played really well. Almost everyone, almost every key player for them, four out of their five main key guys, played well. And for Toronto, I would argue none of their main guys played well. 
OG Ananobi was about as close to playing well as you could go with from the main Toronto guys. They're very good at adjustments. Nick Nurse has shown that. The Raptors last year have shown that. And I look towards their game tomorrow and say, how can I, how can I best maximize what I think people are going to overreact to? I mean, you know, they, Toronto putting up 94 in their worst game of the year. Uh, there, To me, there's a, a really great argument to be made for an over and a Toronto play in that game tomorrow. But we're not there yet, so we'll just uh, we'll wait a little bit longer. Uh, turning the clock all the way back to Saturday, the Lakers finished off the Blazers in a minimal defense performance. Lakers shot 55%, Blazers 47%. Uh, C.J. McCollum was very good. He had 36. Mello was excellent. He had 27 in sort of the, I'm going to take it to LeBron before my season comes to an end. This game, I mean, you could have seen this one coming three miles away. No Dame. He left the bubble. Classic injured star theory kind of thing where the Lakers let their guard down for a while. They ended up pulling away in the fourth quarter with a little bit of defense. That's all it took. Uh, Portland missed a few shots in there, and the Lakers took a, I think the game was tied at like, 109, and then the Lakers just went on a sprint the rest of the way. Uh, Portland ended up covering. Game went way, way over because the pace was crazy. Neither team was ready to grind it out when they kind of knew the end of the series, at least, was a foregone conclusion, and Lakers weren't going to lose three in a row to a dameless Blazers team. And so in this one, you could see the Lakers were kind of like, look, we're just going to trade shots with you, and at some point, we're going to lock you down. And it worked. And you play with fire a little bit doing stuff like that, but they're good enough to pull it off. AD and LeBron were fantastic in this game. Cantavius Caldwell-Pope has really bounced back well after a, a very rough first game uh, of the playoffs. Alex Caruso's defense was excellent in this whole series. Um, he had four steals and a block in this one. Most of those coming on McCollum, uh, who had six turnovers despite otherwise a, a fantastic performance. And so now Portland looks towards the offseason where, what do they do? Um, you know, Trevor Ariza was one, someone that didn't go with them to the bubble. Is that a guy they look at bringing back? Uh, McCollum, Dame, Nurk, the core guys are all in there. What's to become of Zach Collins, who missed literally every second of this year <laughs> that he possibly could? Uh, is, there, is Gary Trent Jr. a guy that now gets slotted in with a bigger role going into next season? All of these questions we will address as we look towards an offseason for that club as well. For the Lakers, they wait the Houston OKC series. I'm sure they'd rather play the Thunder, just a more predictable and uh, game-planable team to deal with. The Rockets are such a weird one that it's going to pose some some issues. Uh, defensively, what are they going to do about Harden and rotations? Offensively, what are you doing against a team where you're not really going to be able to run a standard pick-and-roll, although you at least have... A size edge. I saw a, a nice thread on Twitter that talked about the Lakers going huge against Houston, and it makes a lot of sense. Just beat them up. You kind of have to. You're not going to beat them in a small game. I don't think you want AD dealing with PJ Tucker the whole ball game. I think that'll, that'll knock him around a little bit. At least uh, not so much on the when AD's playing defense. He can roam a tad at that point. Uh, but go go put Dwight Howard in there. Let him. Let him bounce P.J. Tucker around. Well, I get ahead of myself. Houston hasn't won their series yet. In any event, uh, that series ended up closing out. I remember after the first game, I did say, if you like the Lakers, that's the time to get on them. And sure enough, that's what happened. 
and they ended up moving on to the second round, which for me, again, you know, I, I'm a pretty pragmatic fantasy player and a very pragmatic better. I don't, I don't do things with my money that I don't think is going to result in additional money. But now that we're to the playoffs, um, and I'm, you know, mostly live in-game betting over at my bookie, and I'm mostly just excited to watch basketball. I'm just really stoked to see the Lakers back in there. It's been a bit, guys. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. Hey, uh, you know, maybe you've been quarantined for a while and you're getting a little bit fuzzy. You know what you can do about that? You can head on over to manscaped.com, use promo code HOOPBALL20, and get yourself 20% off and free shipping on the Lawnmower 3.0, magically upgraded from the Lawnmower 2.0 to include a built-in LED light and full waterproof technology. Shave in the shower with the Lawnmower 3.0, 20% off free shipping, go get one. I know you want to. We're just going to keep repeating it until you actually go do it. So go do it. Uh, Clarion call going out once again for those of you that are listening here and thinking, oh, enjoying the betting conversation, Dan. Well, hit me up at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter or just Google Dan from Hoopball. It works uh, relatively well at this point. And hit me up. We're uh, looking to add to our betting team, uh, our sales team. Actually, I mean, we'll basically add to anyone. But uh, in particular, we really want to grow the the... Uh, the gambling expert team right now. Troy does a wonderful job with our soccer plays. Devin, baseball, Ira, hockey. I mean, there's there's so much expertise. They all love football. I know that. But uh, if you're if you're really enjoying sports betting and you're kind of deep into it down that rabbit hole, hit me up. We're uh, we're looking for more folks who really want to expand what we're doing over here. So toss me a line. You can also email us teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That'll about do it for our Monday show. I uh, I know we were going to do a little bit more on the resumption or the bubble rank stuff, but ultimately that felt like a, a kind of a waste of time. So sorry if you listened to the Friday show and thought this is dumb. But you know what? We do about 250 some odd, like 240 shows a year. And this year we haven't had regular full season fantasy basketball in five months. It'll probably be at least another four before we do. So got to talk about something. Again, I'm Dan Vaspers. Thanks so much for listening. This was Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.